open and receptive on tonight to receive, God, what you have to bring unto us. And I thank you, Father, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Has everybody finished with the test? If you're not finished with the test, raise your hand. Okay, we got Jamie. Is there anybody else? You finished, Kim? Okay. Jamie, how long do you have? About five minutes. I'm going to have to ask you to uh, depart. I'm going to have to ask you to skedaddle. We don't want to give you any answers. Amen. Hallelujah. How many is enjoying the teaching on communion? Isn't it good to know what the word of God has to say unto us? Amen. It's good to be taught. It's good to uh, be able to um, be on one accord and come together in unity. Um, So tonight I'm going to sort of wrap up communion. We're going to move to something else. But I believe it's going to be something else next week a little bit more concerning communion. But so far we have went over what communion is. It is a fellowship of believers by which they gather together to remember the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is a fellowship of believers where we gather together to remember the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that comes out of 1 Corinthians 10, 16. And it reads, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? So that's the scripture to back up communion. We went over what are some of the titles given for communion. We know it's the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table. We know um, communion, and they also call it sacrament. Every time I get to that word, I see L no. <laughs> Let's get ready for sacrament. So we see we can where we can find that. 1 Corinthians 11, 20. 1 Corinthians 10, 21. 1 Corinthians 10, 16. will tell you the different um, titles that they give for communion. So if you hear these different titles, you will know what people are saying. And who instituted the communion? We know it was the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And we can find that in Matthew, the 26th chapter. Mark 14th chapter, Luke 22, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And we also know that Paul, Jesus gave Paul revelation concerning communion, and that's in 1 Corinthians 11. Remember, Paul did not walk with Jesus, but uh, he got revelation. That means he got illumination concerning communion. What are some of the symbols used in communion? The table, the bread, and the wine. We know where we can find the table, 1 Corinthians 10, 21. Also, we can go back in Matthew 26. We can go back to Luke 22, the bread, 1 Corinthians 10, 16. Also, Matthew, what, 26, the wine, 1 Corinthians 10, 16. You can go back to Matthew 26 and the other ones that I went over to know the symbols um, for communion. What is the meaning of the symbols? We know the table is a place of fellowship, sharing, and communion. It is the family table, a love feast. And we talked about how some of us um, sit around the table when we eat, where we commune, where we fellowship um, with each other. And that's how it is in the house of God. When all of us are participating in communion, we are fellowshipping one with another. The bread, it represents his broken body. It fulfills the body of the Passover lamb and all other sacrificial bodies of animals 
under the Old Testament time and covenants. So the wine, this represents his blood, and we know that represents the new covenant, and I gave you scriptures on that. And then last week, we talked about what were some of the Old Testament shadows of communion. We went um, with Genesis 14, Melchizedek, when he met Abraham and he blessed him and gave him bread and wine. And we also went over Exodus 16 through 17, where the Lord rained bread from heaven. Um, that was a symbol of the communion, and then water was um, scrubbed from the rock, and he told him to speak to the rock. First Corinthians 10, 1 through 6, represents that in Exodus 16 and 17. The table of showbread, which means the bread of face or the bread of his presence, Exodus 25 and Leviticus 24. And we also went over Elijah being fed by the ravens by the brook, First Kings 17. Also, the widow multiplying with bread was multiplied, 1 Kings 17. And then also when Elijah had a famine going on, and um, this was the three and a half years that represents this 1 Kings. Y'all had a lot, didn't you? And also Elijah was preserved for 40 days in the strength of the bread and water that the angel brought, 1 Kings 19. And in Exodus 24, 8, we know that Moses sprinkled the blood on the people and declares this is the blood of the covenant that the lord has made with you in accordance with all these words and then we found that in matthew 26 when jesus spoke that as well so we see in the old testament it foreshadows what's yet to come so we went over the scriptures in the old testaments that represents communion so if anybody asks you um, dealing with the old you can give them those scriptures to um, let them know it was bringing forth the new, and we know it came forth in Jesus Christ. So I want to give you some scriptures to verify what I said last week. I was talking about um, who can minister communion. Now, it's nowhere in the Bible that it says that a specific person have to minister communion. In the Bible, you can read in 1 Corinthians 11, 23, and 29, when you read that about communion, it talks about the believers coming together and breaking bread. So if you are a believer, you can do communion. Um, and I'm going to say this, and some people may get offended. That's even on live. People do not want but certain people to do communion. They say it's the pastor or the deacons or the elders, or somebody with the title. And I'm going to tell you why people say that, but it's nowhere in the Bible. That was tradition of men. Because in the Bible, if you look in the Bible, beginning with Jesus, we know Jesus represented it all, but he taught his disciples about communion. And his disciples taught other disciples about communion. So I want to ask you a question, and I want you to think hard. I'm going to give you another scripture. In Acts, the second chapter, the word of God said they went from house to house breaking bread. House to house. So they went to each other's houses breaking bread and having fellowship with one another. So they were having communion. And the Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2 that we all priests. Y'all are all priests of the Lord. 
Way up under the old covenant, the priest had to do everything. The priest had to stand before God. Jesus is who? The high priest, and he's interceding on our behalf before God. But all of us are chosen generation. We are priests. So I want to ask you a question since people say it's certain people in the church, and I'm going to specify in the church and why some people do it. But if you have to come in here and get somebody to serve you communion, and it's only certain people can do it. I am not coming to your house every time you call me that you want to take communion. Because if you do it in here, you need to call me at your house. You need to call the elders and the deacons and say, I cannot take no communion until you come to my house. I don't think you would be taking none. All these people that got to be served, now go in the word of God. It only tells you. In the word of God, that it is believers. This is why you're getting trained in here so you will know about communion. But this is what they say. I'm going to tell you why they do this. The, the Catholics set stuff up in the church for certain people to give communion, to bless you, to sprinkle you. That was their way of doing the Methodists have their way of doing. The Baptists have their way of doing. If that's how they do it, that's fine. But the word of God does not tell you that a pastor has to serve, you know, like I'm up here talking to you about communion. It does not say that somebody else cannot get up here and do communion. I'm going to tell you why. All of us are holy. It's nobody holier than anybody else except God put you in the body with certain positions to carry out what God wants you to carry out like I'm teaching you about communion let's say I want to use Teresa one Sunday and I'm saying Teresa I'm saying I'm not going to be here and I'm going to say I want Teresa to do communion okay deacons don't run this church let's say brother Willie say you will not do no communion in here or you'll get thrown out she don't follow that deacon lead. She follow my lead because I'm following the leading of the Holy Ghost and God. So it's not up to him to tell her to sit down and she can't serve. Give me a reason why she can't serve. She's a believer. She's holy because of Jesus, not because of what she do or what she will ever do. So we got to understand that. I'm going to go over some other reasons too, but we get beside ourselves picking and choosing who picks up a pan who stand beside the table, who can walk on the pulpit. So what you got to do, you got to do a checklist down there on the floor. Have you fornicated? Have, have you committed adultery? Have you lied? Have you stolen? Have you did this, that, or the other? Well, you clear, walk across the pulpit. That don't work, y'all, because Jesus paid the price for all of that. So this is why you're supposed to be taught in the house of God, and this is how it works. Whomever... That pastor, the ones that you guys, you're coming in the Clem, you're believers, you're learning about communion. So if I decide to call Julia one Sunday and say, Julia will lead us in communion today. Well, by the time she get off the floor, y'all might get it. But, but it's nothing wrong with her doing it, and she's getting trained. She's being made a disciple. So when she go out and it's someone that's amongst her, and she begin to say, let's have communion. Come on, is she going to call me and say, Pastor, I believe this lady need communion. Can you run over here and give us some communion right quick so I can um, continue to do what I need to do? Well, Julia, are you a believer? Yes. Is she a believer? Yes. What's stopping you from doing communion? You got the bread? Yes. You got the um, wine, which is the grape juice? Yes. Okay, do communion. 
This is a problem in the churches. The churches have set up their way and not God's way. Now, if anybody find in this word where it says that a certain person got to do communion, I want you to show it to me. I want you to show me in the word. This is the tradition of men, what they come up with. And if that's what they choose, if they only want the pastors and the deacons to give communion, so be it. That's the way they do it. But we're going to do it the way God would have us to do it. Just like we have people coming up on Sunday and they're holding the little dishes out and letting y'all get your little bread, letting you get your little juice and you're going back to your seat. It ain't no particular person that's doing it. I know them. They are believers. If I want to switch up one Sunday and say, Shirley, I want you to stand up here this Sunday and do it, I know she can do it because she's getting taught about communion. That's why you need to be taught as disciples. We need disciples. We don't need just converts. People are so scared to do stuff in church because they feel like they're going to burn in hell if they touch anything that's in the church because it's holy. Come on, that was back up under Moses and all of them in those tabernacles and temples because they had certain people that could stand before God. We can come boldly to the throne now without somebody going before you because of him, not because of anything that we will ever do. In that case, you might need to call people to your home when you need to confess. Come on, let's just be honest. It's nowhere in the Bible. I have not found it. This is a tradition of man that they have set up, just like the Pharisees and Sadducees, to say, These is, this is one of our laws. This is what I want you to do. So I gave you the scriptures. Go back through those scriptures. Acts, the second chapter. 1 Peter 2, tell you about being priests. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three and 29. It's, as long as you are a believer and discern the body of Christ, you should be able to serve communion outside of a title. How do you know that people up here anyway got a title? How do you know that I really got one? Do you know? You only know what I told you. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Everybody go on title, but you're supposed to go on what the word of God is saying unto you and do and live according to the word, not according to what somebody else said. Amen. So we cleared that up. Tonight, I want to talk about discerning the physical body of Christ. And we want to understand what does it mean to discern the body of Christ. Discern means to separate, make a distinction, discriminate, to prefer. That's 1 Corinthians eleven twenty nine. It's talking about discerning the body of Christ. And when you look at discern, too, it means to perceive, to understand, to know. So in order for us to come into communion the right way, we have to know about communion. We have to know what Jesus did on our behalf in order for us to discern the body of Christ. Now, when we talk about discerning the body of Christ, the bread which we break, I'm reading again, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? The cup which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? 1 Corinthians 10, 15 through 21. That talks about um, the bread and the cup representing Jesus' body. I'm going through this again because we want to understand discerning the body of Christ. Now let's talk about discerning the bread. 
We discern the Lord's body in the bread we break. That is, we recognize, perceive, and have insight into the truth that the body of Jesus was perfect, sinless, and human. So when we get ready for communion, this is the problem. Some people take communion lightly. Some people come in the house of God when it's time for us to take communion and they're not discerning the Lord's body the way his body needed to be discerned. discerned. You're supposed to know, perceive, and have knowledge of, you know, communion and discerning the Lord's body. So we know that that bread is the body and the body of Jesus. This is we recognize, perceive, and have insight into the truth that the body of Jesus was perfect, sinless, and human. John 1.14, we know the word became flesh. That shows you he was human. 2 Corinthians 5.21, he who knew no sin became sin for us so we can become what? The righteousness of God through him. So that tell you he was sinless. That tell you that he was a human. Amen. So if he was sinless, there was no sin there. Amen. So we look now, don't think that he wasn't tempted. Amen. We all attempted. We discern that his body took our sickness, disease, and sins on the cross. First Peter 2, 21 through, through 25. So we know that through Jesus' body being beaten, we know that he took our sickness, our disease. With him on the cross. This is how when we come into communion, you're knowing what Jesus have already done. We discern that healing is in the atonement for our physical bodies through his broken body. That's Psalms 103, 1 through 5. And this is where it tells us don't forget none of your benefits. Don't forget what Jesus have done for you. Now when we look at broken body, that does not mean that his bones were broke because they were not. That's in John 19. Broken body is when somebody hits you, that skin is broken. It's torn. So his body was broken. Jesus took upon himself our sins and our sicknesses. He didn't deserve to die, but God loved us so much that he took our place. So when we come together in communion, guess what we're doing? It ain't about us. It's what he done for us. And we're coming and fellowshipping together. That's a joyous time because it's bringing us into remembrance of what Jesus have already done. When we look at discerning the cup, we discern also the blood of Jesus in the cup. We recognize, perceive, and have insight and understanding of the truth that the blood of Jesus was perfect, sinless, and incorruptible. So we know that again. It's, again, Jesus um, came in the flesh. He was human. He was sinless. We can go back on 2 Corinthians 5, 21. So these are the things that you have to recognize. You just don't come in communion and eat and drink because you're hungry. You're coming in with your mind right, with your heart right. You're making a connection with what he has done. That's what believers do. We come together. We be on one accord knowing what Jesus have already done. And then we understand that it was the blood of God. It was not the blood of a Gentile. It wasn't the blood of a heathen. It wasn't the blood of a Jew. It was the blood of God. So we know that when Mary conceived Jesus, it didn't come through man's blood. It came through God's blood. It was sinless. It was perfected. It was pure. It was incorruptible. So when you come in communion, you know that everything that you're doing is because of him. It is not because of you. 
is it's because of what he done for you. So you should not come in here with the wrong attitude. Your heart should be in connection with what Jesus have already done, dealing with the um, bread and dealing with the wine, which is the grape juice. So then we look at um, his blood was shed for the remissions of sins. Everybody know that, right? Hebrews 9, 22 and 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. It tells us how precious is the blood of Jesus. When we know how precious his blood is and what his blood done for us, when we're taking that cup, we don't take it lightly. When we're drinking that grape juice, we're knowing what Jesus done for us. And when we look at um, the next thing is do this in remembrance of me. We're taking this communion in remembrance of what he has done. It is reminding us of what Jesus have done for us, y'all. It ain't about what we can do, when we can do it, or how we can do it. We're reminded when we take the bread and we take that cup, we're going back to the cross. And we're saying, God, I thank you. You're so grateful for the communion. And you're not trying to get the communion to do something that is already done through Jesus Christ. When you hold up that bread, what you're looking at is how Jesus' body was broken, how it was bruised. You begin to see those 39 stripes on his back that he took that whipping at the whipping post on your behalf. And as I'm saying, and I can see myself standing there, and they're getting ready to crucify me. And Jesus come and stand in front of me and say, I paid the price for her. I'm here to take the penalty for her. And then this is why we have to understand that he's already done it. So when all that blood was coming down from his head, flowing from his head to the foot of that cross, that's what we're here in communion doing, remembering what he done. So that keeps us in fellowship. That keeps us together concerning what Jesus done. It's no good that we could have done. Amen. So that's bringing us into remembrance. And you can go back to um, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 24. And then in, in the verse also in 1 Corinthians 11, it says, until he comes. So we're supposed to do this communion until he returns. That means, it says, this communion also reminds us of Jesus coming back for his church. This is the blessed hope. That's Titus 2.13. For as often as ye eat this bread, let me tell you, you can have communion 24-7. You can keep picking it up and eating and eating, not because you're hungry. But you're saying, God, I just want to keep myself in remembrance of what you have done for me. It says, often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, you do not have to wait for the church to come together to take communion. I'm going right back there. If you're waiting on the church every Sunday to give you communion, then you're basing communion on man. You're not basing it on the word of God. If you're waiting for a pastor or a deacon to give it to you, they may not be nowhere found. So you can take this as often as you want to take it. I'm going right back here again because I believe some people are still stuck on who should do communion. If you're still stuck on that, don't even give it to yourself. If you still stuck on it, quit taking it at home and wait till they call it forth in the church and wait till them holy hands give it to you. Now, I'm just going to be honest. I'm just being honest. If you still stuck on, I am not worthy enough to do it. 
I'm no pastor, I'm no evangelist, I'm no prophet, I'm no teacher, I'm certainly no deacon or a deaconess, I'm none of that. Well, just sit there till Jesus come and miss out on what he told you to do. Just sit there or just wait until they give it once a month in church. And it ain't as often as you want to take it. You want to take it every opportunity you get to get yourself in alignment to what Jesus done for you. Think about it, Miracle Temple. If we took communion every day and we was on one accord, when we come in here on the second Sunday, oh, it would be a fire lit in this place because everybody know what Jesus have done. Amen? We're on one accord. So I keep saying that for some reason. People waiting. But it said we should do it um, to show the Lord's death till he come, till he come, till he come. So you keep, because you don't even know when he's coming. <laughs> he's coming like a thief in the night. You don't know the time of the hour. You can just be finished communion and you get sent up. He called for you. Hear that trumpet. You ain't got time to say, wait, let me take my little bread and little juice and get it right. You just be ready to go. Amen. When you hear that sound, that trumpet. So that comes out of 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. Everything we need, y'all, is in the word of God. You just got to go in there and find it for yourself and get a clear understanding because if you don't know what the word of God is saying, you'll go on anything. And that means you accept everything outside of what the word of God is saying. Now let's talk about taking the bread and the cup unworthily, unworthily. Let me explain that. What does it mean to take the bread and cup unworthy? Now when we look at unworthy, that means Paul is not saying you're not worthy because you was made worthy through Jesus Christ. It's nothing you can do to be made worthy. You have to come through Jesus. There's no way you can get to the Father except through Jesus Christ. So your worthiness is not based on you. It's based on Jesus. So if you're sitting in communion trying to make yourself worthy before you take it, don't take it. You got to know that you're already worthy before anybody was serving any communion. If there never is any communion, you are worthy. So what was Paul say taking it unworthy? It's because those people over there in Corinth was doing a little bit of everything. And then they would start taking their little bread and their wine and getting drunk. So they were taking it in an unworthy manner. So you don't want to take communion in an unworthy manner. What are some of those unworthy manners that people come into church and and when it's time to take communion, one thing is having division amongst you. Paul speaks of that in 1 Corinthians 11, 18. If you know you got division amongst you, you got something or art between your brother or sister in Christ, the Bible tells you to get it right. And how you get it right, you go to your brother or sister in Christ. Now, let me tell you something. You're already worthy, but the enemy is putting a blocker there to make you feel condemned, to make you feel like you're not worthy enough to take it. So he'll put something there to keep from you um, having communion. Everybody in this place, if we based our unworthiness on whether or not we should take communion, nobody would take it. Because if you got a bad thought in your head and you're trying to wait till that bad thought leave before you take that juice, you won't be taking it. Because thoughts continually come. 
but you got to have a repentant heart. You got to have a change of mind. Let's say you got division between a brother or sister, and you went to that brother or sister. You did what the word of God told you to do, and you sitting down, get ready to take communion, and the devil is saying, now, you know you're still wrong. If you know you've done your part, you don't listen to that voice. You say, I'm worthy because of Jesus, not because of what I would do or what I would ever do. The blood of Jesus is what saved me. I didn't save myself. And you drink that communion. You drink that cup. You take that bread because your life is not based on man. It's based on Jesus Christ. So don't let the enemy condemn you. But at that time, if you know there's still something in your heart against your brother or sister and you don't want to repent, you don't need to take it because you're taking it unworthy. Why? Because Jesus said, forgive them. For they know not what they do. He was on the cross, y'all. He was beaten. He was bruised. What did he do? He died for them even though they were doing what they were doing. So how can you sit there and take of his body when you ain't forgiven? How can you take of his juice when you're not forgiven? That's what it means taking it unworthy. You have to get it right. And this is what I mean, getting it right. Do what the word of God tells you to do. And if you know you've done that, then go on about your business. Don't sit there and try to keep fixing it and fixing it and saying, he don't like me, she don't like me, I done done this, I done, ain't nobody got time for that. Eat that bread, eat that juice, you done drink that juice, you done done what you're supposed to do. Having heresies among you, y'all know what those heresies are. Sometimes party life, you done partied on a, uh, Saturday night coming into church half drunk and then you're ready to take some communion you're taking it unworthy because you're not appreciating what God has done you're mocking him you don't want to do none of those things having selfishness and indulgence that mean um, they were selfish they was only thinking about themselves you can find all this in first Corinthians the 11th chapter um, having drunkenness not being a believer any unconfessed sin is taking communion unworthily. And what I mean by that, when you recognize what Jesus have done for you, how he shed his blood for you, how he got beaten for you, how can you sit up there and partake of his body and know that you indulging in sin? You, you, that's taking it unworthy. You, you looking at him like you don't care what he done. You don't care how he done it. You still going to commit adultery. You still going to lie. You still going to um, do what you're doing. You enjoying your worldly life. Some people take communion and don't even understand what it means concerning communion. Some people say, oh, God, it's a forgiving God. He forgave me once. He forgave me twice. He forgave me forever. Didn't you hear Apostle Amanda, past, present, and future sins? I went out last night. I done what I did. Give me that cup. Give me that bread. And you take it and then go back out and do the same thing. You're taking it in an unworthy manner. We want to make sure that we really know what he's done. Because when you know what he's done, you're not going to do his, his um, bread or his, um, the juice, the wine, any kind of way. Because you know what he done on your behalf. So, 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, I'm reading out the um, expanded Bible. Test, examine yourselves to see if you are living in the faith. Look closely at, test, examine yourself, you, 
Or don't you know that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless or if not, you fail the test. You examine yourself. And everybody in this room know when you've done something you shouldn't be doing. Only thing you do is repent, have a change of heart, have a change of mind. You turn from sin, you turn unto God, and you say, God, I recognize that Jesus paid the price for me. He paid the price for the things that I just done. And Father, I repent. I'm having a change of heart, a change of mind. Take your communion. Because if you wait to get it right, God already know your heart, y'all. If you waiting to get it right, you will never get it right. Because once you repent of that, then once communion is over, somebody get in your face and you curse them out. It happens. But Jesus has already paid the price for all of that. But once you know what he has done and the more time you spend in a relationship with him, you ain't going to want to do those things. You appreciating him more than you appreciating those things. That's why we need to take it as often as we need to take it, y'all, because when we do that, it's turning us away from what the enemy want us to turn to, and it's turning us more to God, because all of us in this room, we fell short to the glory of God. That's why Jesus had to step in on our behalf. So don't take his communion unworthily, amen? If you are an unbeliever, you should not be taking communion. The reason why you shouldn't be taking it is because you have not accepted his death, burial, and his resurrection. You have not accepted that. So why are you sitting there eating from a table and you haven't even accepted what he done on your behalf? Some people allow unbelievers to take it. And when you know that they are unbelievers, you need to explain to them, this is why you cannot partake of this meal. But some people baptize people and know they ain't saved. And they want to do it just to have members in a church. They go down one devil to come up a bigger devil. And everybody think they've done something, line people up. Let's give them the right hand of fellowship. They ain't getting my right hand. They're not saved. And you do not um, have unbelievers and believers mixing together. Why? You have isms and schisms in the body of Christ. People want people in the church because they want more heads in the church and more money. You can have more heads and still don't have no money. Y'all don't know? So we want to do it God's way and not man's way. So then, I want to say this again. Paul did not say we were, we were not worthy. He said taking communion in an unworthy manner. Don't take communion in an unworthy manner. We are worthy because of Jesus and not because of us. So Paul did not say we were not worthy. He was telling them they were taking it wrongly. They were taking it and they were indulging in some things and they were not honoring Jesus and what he done on their behalf. So the next thing is, that's in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty nine, and this is what this says. For he that eat and drink unworthily, eat and drink damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty nine. When you take from that table unworthily, let me tell you what happens. He said, that's why the weak and the sickly are among you. The purpose of having communion is letting you know this is what he done so you can be, that, to show you that you already forgiven, that you already healed. That's what's the purpose of communion. He laid down his life for you 
so you will benefit from what he's done. You are the healed of the Lord. You are forgiven because of what Jesus done. So when you don't discern his body the way the body need to be discerned, you bring these things on yourself because you taking communion, you saying, Lord, break this bread because your body was broken for me. And I believe when I take it, I'm healed. You were healed before you took it. You're taking it to bring you in remembrance of what he had already done. You are not taking that like a Tylenol to get something. You're taking that because you know what you already have, y'all. So it's bringing you into remembrance. So if you're taking it and asking God for healing, you're taking it in an unworthy manner. You're accepting sickness. You're accepting that you have not been forgiven. You're bringing damnation on yourself. And some people die because they're not accepting what he has done. They're thinking, I deserve to be sick. I don't deserve to be forgiven. So some people die like that because they don't know the purpose of communion. So this is why you're getting taught so you can let people know because some people think they're not worthy enough to take it. Who told you that? Who told you that? It wasn't Jesus. The word don't tell you that. That's something that the enemy want you to feel so you don't know what communion is. So you'll be out here begging for healing, begging for forgiveness, and he's already paid the price for all of that. So judging others. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. 1 Corinthians 11, 31. You can look at that chapter again. And what this is saying, we don't have no right to judge nobody. When we're having communion, we do not look around and say, sinner, sinner. Sinner, sinner, sinner. I know you a sinner. I know you still fornicating and you taking that juice Examine yourself. Because even if you are saved and you're doing some mess you shouldn't be doing, why are you looking at that other person? You don't know if that person trying to get it right. That's between them and the Lord. Are you in their house to know where they're sleeping or what they're doing? No, you're not. Only thing you know, it, and this is how some people sleep. You married. You got married yet? How many kids you say you got? Then after they give them the rundown like a detective then they go to somebody and say see I told you they taking that communion and don't supposed to and she know it the bible say judge yourself you need to we in here in communion I don't look at none of you I got to look at me because when I stand before Jesus I ain't going to bring Quanah with me and say wait a minute if you get me you got to get her because we was at the club at the same time so if you throw me out, she better come out behind me. That's just how it works. You going right by yourself, you're going to stand before him by yourself. So you can't, so in communion, you should not be looking around to see who took the bread. You shouldn't. You shouldn't be looking around. And, and another thing you can't do and how, how they were taking it in the wrong manner. Some of them would take the bread but wouldn't take the juice. Someone would accept the forgiveness but wouldn't accept the healing. You got to take both of them. So if you in here saying, well, I think I can take the bread because I believe he did heal me. So I'm going to break that. Will you like some juice? No, I don't like no juice because I'm still working on the forgiveness part. Ignorant, going to see. So you have to know about communion before you take communion. And if nobody teach you, see, this is why 
you got to be taught. Sometimes we go on what everybody else is doing, but we don't understand why they do what they do. Amen? So this is communion. And I pray you learned a lot from it. And I believe the Lord's going to bring some more because I believe people are still stuck on my pastor got to do it. Or the deacon got to do it. Or the deaconess got to do it. If all three of them ain't here and the communion sitting there, you just won't eat, will you? So, we are all believers in Christ, and we want to do what the word tells us to do. We don't want to go outside the word, because the Pharisees were setting up their own laws and trying to get people to fulfill what they wanted to do outside of what was already written. They were writing their own little laws and had them people just as nervous and scared and wouldn't say nothing and following their doctrine because they want to be seen of men. And that's what's happening with the churches today. They want to set their own rules and their own guidelines. And you better not walk in here any kind of way. You be holy because he is holy. And you better let people know that you know him. And if you got this on or that on, you cannot come in the house of God looking like that. This is a holy temple of God. I got news for you. When you leave here, you're going to be butt naked. Them clothes you walked in here with going to be right down there on the floor. And I ain't telling you to come in here like a prostitute or like a gigolo. By no means. We ain't coming in the house of God like that. We're going to dress modestly in the house of the Lord. But I'm saying these traditions of men have made the word of God of none effect. And people look at people differently by what man said and not by what the word of God is saying. Amen. So we want to line it up with the word before we go dictating to somebody what they should do and how they should do it. Judge yourself. Amen. So that is communion thus far. Is there anything else? Anybody have any concerns of what we have learned so far? Amen. We got a quiet house. Do we have any announcements? Gloria. Gloria.